The Retirement Remix, Episode 2, with Tim Norwood, Executive Vice President of Sales and Governmental Relations at Synergy Partners and owner of Victor's Bistro in Florence, South Carolina. You are listening to the Retirement Remix Podcast with award-winning financial advisor, host, author, and founder of a thriving financial planning company, Chip Munn. Here you'll get a regular dose of real-life retirement stories and inspiration from incredible, unique people just like you. Each episode features interviews with entrepreneurs, local business owners, CEOs, world travelers, and community leaders. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. Welcome back to the Retirement Remix. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today... I'm joined by my good friend, Tim Norwood. Tim is the Executive Vice President of Sales and Governmental Relations at Synergy Partners and the owner of Victor's Bistro here in Florence. Tim, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Chip. Delighted to be here. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. Now, Tim, one of the interesting things I know about you is you've had a very wide and, and deep, I suppose, working career. Executive Vice President of Sales and Governmental Relations is, is a big title. T- tell our audience a little bit about what you do now and your career path to, to get here. Okay. At Synergy Partners, we are a tax consulting company that works primarily with well, any business, but we, we try to focus on the larger national uh, companies. And we manage their employment tax credits, which would include the work opportunity tax credit for a federal level and empowerment zones, Indian employment credit, and then state credits as well, you know, whether it's a South Carolina New Jobs credit, Georgia training credit, New York youth credit. There's about a half a dozen of those credits across the country that we, we manage for companies. And we've been doing this. We, I mean, I, it's, I, I've been doing it, but I have partners I've done this with for close to 25 years. And we built a, um, a small business called SMS starting in the mid nineties into the largest tax consulting company in the country for employment tax credits. And uh, we sold that business to uh, automatic data processing in 2003. And then um, when that, that was kind of my first retirement, I was looking, I was 47, looking to retire then and ended up uh, continuing to work for ADP for another 12 years and then left the ADP and started a couple of businesses. And then two years ago, we bought a small tax consulting business in Alabama and Moved it here to Florence, and um, my partners Jim Brown, Frank Chisholm, Kirsten Nemec, we uh, are busy. All of us busy working hard every day to develop our our new business, Energy Partners. So, Tim, you mentioned back years ago having sold your business, and you know, for a lot of people, that would be their exit. You know, they they would say, you know, I've, I've done this, I've been successful, I've had a, a liquidity event, uh, if you will, and you know, my ships come in. <laughs> I, I, and so I'm going to head off into the sunset. What was different for you? Why did you decide to kind of stay on, I guess, at that point with ADP and, and then evolve into starting new businesses? Well, you know, I wish I could say it was, it was a, it wasn't my decision. I kind of really wanted to, uh, my plan was when, and we'd been working SMS for about seven years and all we did was eat, sleep and drink tax credits. It was an incredible fun, run to go from just, you know, a handful of clients to the largest in the country with thousands of clients. And when we sold it, I was so ready to 
you know, give back to the community. And honestly, we didn't, when I said we didn't do anything but that, that's all we did. We took vacations together. We took vacations with our clients. I mean, it was like we went to a football game. We had clients in tow. So it was a, a very intense seven years. And then when we sold it, I said, finally, I'm going to be able to pursue a dream I had, which was to be a full-time state legislature. And uh, so I, I ran for the state Senate, very um, close, controversial race. I, uh, I ended up losing and I had taken a, actually taken a year off from ADP, but my plan was to get elected to the state Senate and be a full-time state senator for District 30. And you know, seven votes different, and I would have been doing that versus talking to you now. So that that was a plan. But you know, when you go through things like this, you in you know, life, you've got to be able to be willing to 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 bob and weave and be uh, be flexible with with the decisions that are presented to you or the opportunities that are presented to you. And when that I didn't win that election, you know, I went back to what I knew. When ADP was glad to have me, and we had a good relationship for another twelve or thirteen years, and. What happened there was, you know, ADP is a big, big company and, you know, they have 40,000 employees and worldwide presence. And, and we were just a small little speck on their, on their balance sheet, but they wanted to finally, after three different of division presidents for our, our company, they basically said, we're going to, you know, you can't be the square peg. You know, they held us out. They being ADP had held us out as a, being entrepreneurial and being able to make decisions and move quickly and get success, whereas a big company is slow to move. And they wanted for the, for the first 10 years, they wanted us to be, wanted ADP to be more like us. Well, the last two years I was there, they wanted us to be more like ADP, which meant contracts were very arduous, difficult to obtain through legal and just it got to be difficult. And I said, heck, you know, I don't need this. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to retire from ADP. I did that in 2015. You know, I, I need to, I think everybody, particularly I do, I need to be active. I need to be stimulated. I need to have goals. I need to be uh, looking to the future and the possibilities of what life brings or what investments bring or what business brings. I think that keeps you young. Matter of fact, I never see myself, Chip, as ever retiring, retiring where you wake up in the morning, don't have a watch on, and you don't know what day of the week it is, and you just play golf and just do stuff to exist. I can't exist. I have to be a contributor. I have to, for me personally, I need to be giving to a business, giving to an organization. That's what makes me happy. Well, and I think you hit right on kind of the premise that this podcast is is based on, and that's the notion that, you know, that traditional retirement kind of mindset that everybody thinks is is kind of keeping up with the Joneses means at age 65 or, or whatever age it is, I flip from being a producer to a full-time consumer. <laughs> and most of the folks that I work with don't have any interest in that because they, like you, they just want to still be able to be active and involved and contribute. And I, I think that that's you're a good example so far. I, I joked with you before we started recording that you failed retirement uh, a couple of times. But I, I think that to some extent, and I, I don't know if you have an opinion on it or not, uh, I think that the old notion, that old school retirement is a bit of a lie. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the people I know don't do it that way anymore. I, I, well, I agree with you. And if the ones that, the ones that do, it, it costs a lot to live. And, uh, maintain a lifestyle. And, you know, most people, when they're retiring, they're going to 
go to a, you know, 50 or 60% of what the income was before, that's hard to, to maintain that lifestyle and enjoy. I have, I have, I have two friends that have, have done the, what I, I perceive as the old, as we were just discussed as the old way. And, you know, I, I just don't get their life. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's just golf and, and travel and there's no community involvement. There's no, no feeling of contributing or success. It's just you're living off whatever success that you had. Not for me. And I agree with you. The new way of retirement is I may not work a full week later on, five years from now, but I'm going to have an office to go to. I'm going to have a computer. I'm going to go to some meetings. I'm going to do some chamber commerce work, economic development. What you know, just, you know, going to investments. Just want to be able to, to, um, to stay active and keep your mind keen and, and maybe exercise a little bit more. Well, and I, I think we both know folks who have had that corporate job and, and gone into that old school retirement, and all of a sudden you don't have the budget you used to have, you don't have a company credit card, and you just look at things an awful lot different. And, and unfortunately, at least um, from the outside looking in from my experience, there are a lot of folks who whom I've talked to who feel like other people look at them different when when they're not in that old role, and that's a big adjustment for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it would be because you know when you all of a sudden you you have uh, some uh, credibility and some power or some influence, and then you leave lead that role, then you're like you're lost because nobody is looking at you like they used to or or appreciating your opinion <laughs> as they did at one time. You know, the different person is has that that role now. So I I, I think it's a big difference when you're when you lose that uh, that influence. For sure. Well, one of the ways, Tim, that you have, I guess, uh, the the way I look at it is Synergy Partners is your day job. You're one of the few folks I know who could have retired a couple of times who still now works two jobs. Miss Ann keeps you busy, uh, or, or maybe it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You you have also started uh, back in, I think, 2003 or so, uh, a side venture that has become, as I, I look out of my office here in downtown Florence, a cornerstone of the downtown development here, Victor's Bistro. Tell me, how did, of all the second businesses or, or side jobs or, or hustles, as the, the young mm. folks call it, to start, mm. Why a restaurant? Wow. I, I wish we knew that answer. <laughs> we, 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 we had that liquidity event in 2003, and, and we had been uh, going to this uh, to Victor's Bistro for dinner, and did the, they uh, did a lot of catering for us. And when that event happened, the owner of the business said, would you like to be a uh, investor? And I said, only if I get 51% of it. And uh, so we did, and uh, a couple, about four years later, Ann and I had 100% of it. You know, Ann works in it, you know, just, uh, you know, she does payroll and some accounting work there. And then, but over the 15 or so years we've had, is that how long it's been? Oh, three, yeah, about 15, 16 years. And we've turned it into a, a decent business. It was, uh, you know, when we took it over, it was maybe doing three or $400,000 a year in sales. And now we're, we've had a peak of a little over three million when we first moved downtown, but now we're consistently in that two, 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 five profitable business and what what makes me happy because i you know i've i've been fortunate ship found some really good people and and they're very loyal i'm loyal to them and they they really do all the work 
we've got a, a really solid business and, and, and one that's going to continue for a long time here in Florence. And we do consider ourselves a, a cornerstone of, uh, of downtown Florence, being the first restaurant to really move in here and invest a lot of money into our physical uh, area and upgrade our facilities to banquet facilities along with, you know, pairing with Hotel Florence. So it's it's been a, a very pleasant, challenging opportunity that we've gone through the last 15 years. And we love it. People tell me all the time, you ever sell it and you're going to sell it. And we've been approached several times, but when it gets right down to it, I, I'm loyal to the, the employees, the staff that we have there. I wouldn't want any change to come to them that would be something that they wouldn't want and neither would I. So it's, we've got a, we've got a great opportunity. We have had a great opportunity and it's getting better every day. So what have you learned mm-hmm. about the business of food? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I imagine tax credits are kind of a, that's obviously a, a specialty niche, but as, as you have kind of gotten into the restaurant business, what, what are some of the things that you've learned that, uh, that might surprise well, people? It may not surprise people, but it's the hardest business you could ever be in. It's the thinnest margins you could ever imagine. It's more of a pennies and nickels and dime business because you, you're saving, you know, a a dime on a purchase of a tenderloin it adds up over the course of a, a year, and you know it's, it's a lot of people have a passion for food, and uh, and, and they're, they're foodies. You know, I, I love great food, and I know it when I taste it. But I I couldn't make it. We have great chefs at Victor's that can really create great meals. Uh, I, and the and the wine is such is something that is so varied. I mean, one good thing is you know taking some wine trips and having the wine reps come in and. I've learned so much about layering flavors, not that I can cook them, but I can certainly taste them and I, and the different wines. And all, all those things are what's been fun about that part of the business. And it's been fun seeing that, seeing our community grow. And we had one of the things that Victor's has been in a leadership role in is, is creating a Florence wine and food festival. We've put a lot of sweat equity into it and, and that, that helps build our community, which, you know, I'm all about building our community. And that's one thing that I'm proud of what Victor's has been able to do is be that place people can go for a chip. When we moved into to the uh, Hotel Florence and we opened up Hotel Florence and Victor simultaneously, it was like people would come in and say, gosh, I feel like I'm in New York City. You know, given that sophisticated feel and place to celebrate, whether it's your birthday or your business deal and a bar area that is going to be, it's just a really a, um, almost like a cheers bar. You walk in, you see almost the same people every day for a couple hours. And it's, it's really a, it's been a very gratifying experience looking back and seeing what we've done over the last 15 years. But it had to be scary, Tim. I had my, you know, one of my best favorite clients when we agreed to, to come down here. And again, for those not in Florence, I can see Victor's uh, right outside of my office window. You know, when we decided to come down here, you guys mm-hmm. hadn't opened yet, and one of the comments that that I got was, "I'm not saying I won't keep doing business with you, but <laughs> I, I'm never coming to your office if it's mm-hmm. if it's downtown." How did you guys make that decision? Because I imagine mm-hmm. that that was pretty scary. Well, you know, you get wrapped up in it, you get caught up in the emotion of a decision. Something, you know, because the you know, way I always sold and understand people buy is you buy an emotion and support it with fact. And we got all. All emotional, my wife and I, we went down through every building down here when they were all, you know, uh, windows were broken out and bats and pigeons were in there and poop was a foot deep. And, and we walked through every one of these buildings looking for a place. And we 
you know, knew, knew these guys, but didn't know them well. Randy Key and Ben Ziegler and Chris Scott, they had just done a, a revitalization building and got introduced to them and the building lended itself to some sort of hotel. And we were kind of encouraged by a realtor that that, that may be the thing that we should do, but we didn't have any hotel experience. And we brought gray rains and rains hospitality in and then the city cooperating. And I it just, it, we just got wrapped up in the project and really signing those notes and saying, Oh, what in the world am I doing here? And pledging assets because you know, the bank won't loan it to you unless you pledge assets. The most fun time in my life, after four or five really great experiences, opening the hotel in Victor simultaneously, me and Gray and Chris living in the hotel for a week before and a week after, making sure everything was working properly. And that, that was one of the high points of my life. It was challenging, but it's one of those challenges you get through and say, dang, boy, don't you you feel good about having completed something or, or in our case, you completed something and started something. Cause after we opened up the hotel in Victor's, the rest of the downtown has kind of exploded over the last seven years. Well, and just to look back 15 years ago, you could have bought a boat and, and uh, a place at the beach and, and kind of headed on. And, and instead you have really kind of, Dove back in. I, I don't know how many folks work at, at Victor's, but there have to be tens, if not a hundred people between, especially between Victor's and the hotel that, that wouldn't mm. have jobs. If you had decided to kind of take it on and, and you've, uh, you've done your good deed, sold a business. Uh, I think there are a lot of folks who are, are better off for the fact that you decided to kind of keep contributing. You know, I think a lot of us, we have talents that, that the business world uh, or that the world in general, it doesn't have to be about business, but, but that are of use to people. And, and the last thing we want to do, you know, the word retire can also mean to take mm-hmm. out a service. And I know that, that one of the things that you're big on Tim is giving back. You're real active in the community out with my brother and, and those at, at Francis Marion. And I, I know that that's kind of going back to one of the things you were talking about. That's one of the things uh, or an area that this area would be, at a loss if you if you had mm. well i appreciate you saying so but you know it, it just wasn't me you know timing was right with a lot of us you know the partners at the hotel my partners in my business you know every one of us are in, we're integral to to each other's success as well as you know the, the support of the community and the city of florence and you know francis marion college bruce lee foundation is never um just a, a me situation it's a we situation and that's what makes me feel good is that, you know, we're different. You know, our community is a little bit different than other small towns. We don't usually there's a just one entity that really makes all the contributions here in Florence. We've got four or five entities and great political leadership. And then we've got 15 or 20 investors that believe in Florence and invest in Florence in all of Florence, but particularly in the in the revitalization effort we have here in downtown. No doubt. Well, Tim, for you, again, having left the corporate career one time and going back into the startup, and when I say startup, I guess really both, kind of getting in back into kind of that, that rebirth or, or the, the kick in the pants that you guys gave to Victor's, but getting back into Synergy, when, when you look at it, what, what are some of the, what's the biggest challenge that you faced in going from, again, liquidity event into that bigger corporate stru- structure? And then deciding to, to kind of do it all over again. What's been one of the, 
one of the biggest challenges you know, for um, to me is I, I'm head of sales and have a sales team and I'm older. Everybody else is younger. So making sure you get the communication between young and old and, and without being you know, so parental, see, that kind of leadership is different. Uh, my, my patients are a lot less, but also, you know, technology's changed. You know, people don't answer the phone anymore. They send them an emails. They may not read them for days. That is probably the, the biggest challenge. It used to be I could, you'd call somebody that answered the phone or they'd, they'd leave a message and call you back. But, you know, a lot of those basic communication skills are because I, I'm, I believe it's because all the people that and are just so busy. They just don't, they got so many things. Everybody's particularly corporate world that, uh, that we work in with is I think they're just so busy. They just don't have time to do all they're required to do. And so it, that's been the biggest challenge, getting people to, to answer an email or, or, or answer or return a phone call. That's unusual for me to say that, I think, but that's what, that's what the biggest challenge has been. They say that technology was supposed to make things easier on us. I think that there are a lot of ways that it has definitely made some forms of, of business in mm, particular. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, the creative things you have to put into an email subject line to get somebody to open it. That's probably my most creative things I do is, is, is find ways to get people to open my emails and answer my phone calls. <laughs> and who would have thought, right? I, I, I have to think that the process of working with a younger sales team and I would have to think you've learned a lot in doing that. Is that one of the things that you, you talk about kind of helps keep you, you young and your mind active is dealing with the, yeah, those young is. people? They, uh, yeah, and of course, you know, the millennials are, you know, they have, you know, they aren't as motivated by, by money as, as I was and probably you are. They're just, you know, they're, they're more interested in time, not necessarily time off, but they don't, they aren't as intense as we were when we were building a business or building a business now. The intensity is not there for a lot of the millennials. They'd rather have comfortable. They'd rather be comfortable instead of intense. So, yeah, that's that's been a big challenge. I think they're less likely to burn <laughs> out than we were, though. You know, that they are uh, you know, definitely of a generation that, and, and we, I hope we have some listening. Uh, you know, I kind of look at it in a way, Tim, for, for some people is, almost retiring mm-hmm. part-time, you know, taking more vacation. Like you said, maybe I'm not going to work a full week, but I'm going to get to a place where, you know, I come in less. Uh, I think that the age where people would like to have that is is lowering. And, of course, the trade-off mm-hmm. for that, right, is if you work part-time or, or if you retire part-time now, that means mm-hmm. you got to work part-time later. And so maybe it'll keep folks in the in the workforce longer. When you look back, Tim, on the last 25, 30 years of building the business, selling the business, now moving into kind of this this next phase for you, what would you say is the thing or the things that you're most proud of? Hmm. That's a difficult question, Chip. You know, I had a, a previous life 20, 25 years before. You know, I, you know, out of college till about 40. I was in multi, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've done good at things, done bad at things. And I had a series, I was a home builder and I, I just didn't go bankrupt, but I lost everything and I owed a bunch of money. And I think when the, was being able, gosh, to settle all my debts with everybody that I had, you know, from years ago and then just being able to be proud of, of doing that, just 
having, you know, building a good name. Amen. Well, you, you certainly have accomplished that. I think that oftentimes we compare what we see today and, and assume that people have always been that way. And, and it must be easy to X, Y, Z, you know, when you're in a certain situation. And man, it's, it's touching to hear that of all the things that you've done, you know, uh, I mean, all, all the people that I can think of who can keep up their debts because you kept at it. Of all the things I would have expected that you could could talk about, the fact that just going back and doing some cleanup, yeah, it means that, that you're human. Oh, you're like the rest absolutely. of us, right? And that's a, that's, it's a, a testament, you know, because there are plenty of people who, who don't do things that way. And, and I would say, you know, uh, obviously, you know, starting lots of businesses and, and the, the people who are employed and, and what you do in the community. And there are so many things, but that's, that's awesome that that would be the thing that you're most proud of. Tim, if somebody were to ask you, if they said, man, I'm thinking about doing what you did. I'm at a place where, yeah, I'm considering retiring, but I don't know if, I don't know how uh-huh. many days a week I can play golf. What what would if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who was Tim a handful of years ago thinking about doing something like what you've doing, finding a way to stay active? What kind of advice would you give them? I just follow your heart. You know, you uh, you know you have to listen to that gosh um, inner voice, and um, you have to be able to discern and follow that spirit that leads you. You know. And, and, you know, the biggest thing is don't worry about failure. You fall forward, you know, just, you know, follow your heart, follow your desires. And the biggest thing is I think it's great to have partners. Everybody can share the debt. They can share the, the responsibility. They can share the work, the workload and everybody can have things they're good at. And you can, sometimes you carry the team. Sometimes the team carries you, but yeah, I just. Follow your heart. Listen to your inner voice. When something's being, you're thinking something a lot and it's coming into you, you need to listen to it. It's not there for any other reason for you to act on. Well, I, I can't think of a better way to close this out. You, know, you said uh, follow your heart, and I can see that obviously that you've done that. And I think that, that our audience would be well served to, to listen to that. And then the other thing that you said just now that really struck with me is, uh, is really the notion of being better together. That's one of the the things that I say a lot uh, around our office is that we're better together. And I, I think that's true both in business and in life. And you know, like you said, Tim, sometimes uh, you carry the team and sometimes the team carries you. And so I am grateful for you sharing your story. I thank you for coming on. And uh, I look forward to maybe having you back when Victor's <laughs> opens seven or eight locations yeah, all over well, South let's, Carolina. Uh, let's hope that does happen. We'd love to do it. Well, there'd be a lot of people who'd be blessed by it. Thank you to everyone for listening and joining us. We'll be back at you again next week. If by chance you're trying to figure out how to follow your heart or if you have questions that have come up from today, you're welcome to shoot me an email, chip at signaturewealth.com. I look forward to talking to you again real soon. We've created a quick guide to help you get started. Go to theretirementremix.com to download the six steps to finding your remix. Or go to SignatureWealth.com to learn more about how our financial planners can help you. Subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts or listen at TheRetirementRemix.com. 